Welcome to the Ripened Heart Podcast, where we explore the depths of the human psyche through the lens of homeopathy, human design, and astrology for soul-deep healing. Each episode will feature vulnerable and thought-provoking conversations, highlighting healing modalities that help us shift our perspective on what it means to be a healthy and fulfilled human being in today's world. I'm your host, Kaylee Anello. Let's dive into the podcast. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to have our first official guest on the podcast and I couldn't think of a better person than Erasmus. Um, He is a transformational body worker and he's also trained in somatic experiencing, which we're going to dive into today, what that means. Um, But he also has a background as a holistic health coach and a human design guide. So he kind of encompasses what I'm trying to do with the podcast, which is so exciting. Um, I can't wait to dive into his journey today because I think he's just integrated natural health and human design so beautifully. And he's just an amazing educator and really, really helps people to overcome, you know, their disempowering behaviors and the things that are holding them back in their lives. And so I would love for Erasmus to tell us a little bit about himself and um, to to spring us off here. Hi, Erasmus. Thank you for being on the podcast. Hi, Kaylee. Thank you for having me on. Um, (laughs) It's always a pleasure to chat with you. And I'm so excited that you're doing this podcast. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, Um, yeah. So uh, I came across you on the Unslayed podcast Mm-hmm. Um, and you and your wife, Sophie did a, um, a show on body work and your experience with that. And I just found it so, so inspiring. And as soon as I heard it, I was like, wow, I want more people to hear about this modality because I just don't think it's talked a lot about in the world of natural health about, you know, how all of these traumas and life experiences are stored in the tissues And, you know, even if you um, eat healthy and take a bunch of supplements and do all the right things, sometimes there's still things that can hold us back unless they're processed out of the body in a proper way. And so that's what really drew me to your work initially. And then I saw that you had started doing human design. I was like, oh my gosh. So I followed you on Instagram and we connected over DM and I was like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, we're just so like-minded. I was so excited that you added that to your practice. And so tell me a little bit about what got you into natural health in the first place. You know, uh, I like to tell stories, so (laughs) I I might have to start from the beginning. Please uh, do. I would love to hear your story. So I, uh, I was, I had a really traumatic birth. Mm, So um, obviously I didn't remember it consciously, Yeah. but um, yeah, my, um, my mom, she couldn't feel me for a few days. And I had my uncle from Greece who was staying with them in Bayonne, New Jersey. So this is like 40 years ago. And um, he just brought her to the hospital and there was just an emergency C-section. I wasn't getting any nutrition. The doctor said that if I was in her womb for another few hours, I would have died. Wow. Um, so, you know, that was my first experience um, with life on this planet. Yeah. Um, and I know different people have their own views on, on birth trauma. And I, uh, I was born a month premature as well. But 
I think um, because I had health issues as a child, um, you know, the doctors at that time, um, some were telling uh, parents not or mothers not to breastfeed yep. uh, and to use formula. And so my mom was on the receiving end of that. So not only did I have a traumatic birth, I was born one month premature. Um, I wasn't born through the vaginal canal. My mother didn't breastfeed me. So I would say like my immune system started off maybe not with the best start. Mm -hmm. And then um, unfortunately, um, I had an adverse event from vaccines mm. as a child. Um, so uh, their uh, otitis media is listed as a side effect on, on, on many vaccines, which is uh, chronic ear infections. So I had chronic ear infections that then led to tubes, um, which then uh, I found out that I also had a benign growth behind my eardrum, something known really? as cholesteatoma, which is it's a, it's a collection of skin cells that keeps growing. So it's not cancerous, but it behaves in a similar way. So obviously, as these skin cells keep growing, they can cause damage to the delicate structures within the ear canal. So I had, you know, surgeries back then at five and seven years old to remove this. So I think on some level, um, I had this story within myself, like something's wrong with me. Yeah. Like something's wrong. I'm broken. I need to fix myself. Now, fortunately, for whatever reason, maybe it's my human design. Maybe it's some, you know, way I was raised or other esoteric factors. I don't think I allowed that to get me into like a victim mode it actually ended up motivating me to want to learn more and grow more. And I don't really like saying this, but like fix myself, like, yeah, like, like work on myself. And um, how do we transform this experience into something positive? Yeah, exactly. And because of all the surgeries, I had like scar tissue in my ear, the cilia were permanently damaged. So I have had like 50, 60% hearing loss in my right ear since I was like, you know, a toddler, like five, six yeah. years old. So, you know, that was something that I always carried with me. Now, granted, I'm one of the lucky ones. I didn't have like major, major health issues, but it was still, you know, at five years old, you're being wheeled into, uh, uh, you're being wheeled into an operating room. You don't know what the hell's going on. You're taken away from your parents. You know, it was, it was really, really, really uh, scary, you know? Yeah. And yet I, I held, held a lot of that in because I have, you could, if you were going to say something. Oh yeah, I was just thinking because, you know, they say that so much of your neurology is wired in the first seven years. Yeah. So that's like how your brain was set up in that way of like, like you were saying, what's wrong with me? What, what, what's going on here? Why is my experience of life this traumatic? For sure. And like, you bring up a good point. You know, there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of people don't focus on even the nine months in your utero and those first few years on, on what the environment is like, you know, what's the home life environment like, what's the psychology and health of the mother, you know, during those nine months and those first few years. And so that, you know, definitely had an effect, effect on me. And, you know, I had one of my earliest memories is being wheeled in to the operating room and one of the nurses being, oh, you know, I'm like fighting back tears, like trying to be strong and was like, you know, you're really, really brave, you know? And I think now there's benefits of that, but I also think like I kept things in to just kind of show my strength anyways. So I went through, you know, the things I had to deal with around that. Um, but having that kind of story within me of like, yeah, something's wrong. I need to fix myself, you know, carried me through my life and, and definitely uh, motivated me. And I was an athlete growing up. I played a lot of different sports. I was interested in a lot of different things, but I would say, what was a big turning point? I, 
I think it was when I was in college, I studied abroad in Australia. I spent a semester in Sydney and I just started reading more and meeting people from all over the place and traveling around a little bit. And I, um, I don't know, I just made, I made a decision then that I was gonna backpack Europe after college. Oh, wow. So I took all my savings and when I graduated college before I got my like first job, which was a corporate hotel job, I, I just packed a suit, I packed books with me and I traveled in a backpack and just started reading and, and allowing my mind to go wherever it, it went. So yeah. it kind of, it began the process. Like once I left the academic system is actually where my real education began. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was able to like do well in school because I had the ability to regurgitate and repeat information. So I was successful mm-hmm. uh, in the, you know, conventional academic system. But when I allowed myself to kind of be drawn towards the things that interest me, it just ultimately brought me to um, learning about health. But the first thing was, I had always wanted to pursue an acting career when I was oh, younger. Yeah, so I'm, getting, I'm getting into like all the little nuggets of how one decision led to the next decision. I love it. And so anyways, I got back from that trip. I worked for a couple of years for a, a hotel company and this was post 9-11. So I was just like, it was like a good corporate cookie cutter brand. I'm really grateful for the people I met there and, and the learning that I had, but I left and I said, you know what? I'm gonna, my parents are from Greece. Mm-hmm. Um, they spent a lot of time there and I, the summer of the Olympics in 2004, mm. I packed up a suitcase full of books and went to my parents' house and did, I left the hotel job. I did nothing but read. And wow. I was reading all different kinds of books on different subjects. And I ended up making the decision. I'm not going to move back to New York city. I'm going to start pursuing an acting career. And my first acting mentor, he was really into consciousness work. He was really into uh, understanding how you you became who you were, how your personality developed, honoring that process, but then separating from, let's say, these more habitual primary ways of being and integrating more of you, you know, kind of integrating elements from your shadow, things that have been repressed. Now, for the purposes of acting, it was so you can embody and play and empathize with more characters because you can see within yourself you got to know these different parts of yourself that you can use in service to storytelling. Now, from a life standpoint, it really allowed me to just like, um, just grow and, and yeah. embrace more of who I was. And so I would say my earliest education around that in my twenties was that it was like really learning about psychology, learning about myself. You know, I got into some new age stuff, you know, back then mm-hmm. in my twenties, mm-hmm. um, spiritual stuff, but at that point, I also ended up doing a one-year program in 2007 at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Okay. Um, it's a it's an online nutrition school now, but then they used to hold them, hold weekend classes. It was like over 10 weekends, six blocks from where I was in Columbus Circle in New York City. Really? And so someone had told me about it and it seemed to be in, in line with my integrative, my, my love for integrative learning you know I've never been this person that's like find one modality or one thing and one religion and be like (laughs) this is what I'm all about I've always been really curious maybe it's my Gemini nature Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) so I went through that program and um, yeah I just I started learning more about health and different nutrition um, practices and modalities 
And uh, what else? Let's see. I, what drew you to study nutrition in particular? Well, you know, I think I, you know, I grew up in, my parents are from the old, like the old world, you know, my parents yeah. are from Greece. My mom grew up in the mountains of Greece. Like when mm-hmm. you hear those stories around, like I had to, when I was old, I had to walk through snow and rain for miles to go to school. Like that was my mom's life. You know, yeah. she lived in like a two room shack in five hours North of Athens in the mountains with her siblings. Amazing. And, and, you know, she had, she had relatives that lived to be over a hundred years old you know, who had never seen a doctor in their life, never got any injection or medication or anything Mm -hmm. and lived to be, you know, vibrant and healthy. So I think, you know, I think my mom always had that, you know, connection to that. And she cooked great foods and healthy foods. So I grew up with home cooked foods, Mm -hmm. you know, and then I got conditioned by like growing up in the eighties and the nineties commercials and chemical. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And but I, I think my core always had that connection to like real food and yeah. nature. So, uh, yeah, I was just really curious. I'm curious about it. And, um, and at that time, this was really interesting. In the program, we would kind of touch upon different modalities. They'd talk about veg- vegetarianism, veganism, paleo, low carb. I mean, all this stuff just to get access to all of it. And I started eating even more cleanly than I had before. You know, I was in my early mid twenties. I wasn't taking care of myself perfectly, but I decided to do an experiment. I had been eating so cleanly for a few months, but I grew up in the diner business. So my dad had a traditional New Jersey style diner for 35 years, never closed, open all the time. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go home for a weekend. This was in New Jersey. And I'm going to just eat everything, like just unhealthy food. I'm just going to, for three days, it was kind of like my own mini version of Supersize Me, you know, the documentary where he <laughs> ate McDonald's for a whole month. What's going to happen? <laughs> I just did it for three days. And I shit you not, I came, I went back into New York City that night, literally depressed. Really? I felt horrible. Yeah. I was I had broken up with the ex-girlfriend at that time, mm-hmm. um, like seven months prior. And then for some reason that night, I wasn't feeling really good. And I was like, yeah. oh, let me go into MySpace and, and, and look at her pictures again, even though like I had ended the relationship, but I was just feeling yeah. so just down and stagnant and heavy and dark. Yeah. And, and then I you want to like feed that almost when you're in that state, you know what I mean? Like, let's think about more dark and depressing things. Let's look yeah. at the pictures. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it was like, but it, for me, it was such a, it was this deeper light bulb moment of how what we put in our bodies on our bodies impact our psycho-emotional state. Yeah. Most people, I, I don't think they still really connect those dots. Yeah. No, I don't think they do. So, so that, you know, doing the psychological work, the self-exploration work, then bringing in the nutrition element, then realizing how my choices, my lifestyle choices impacted my body and then also impacted how I was doing emotionally mm-hmm. it was like this like cycle this loop yeah I just got more interested in the body and yeah. physiology and so besides going through this program I'm obviously a, a self-taught person in a lot of ways I'm really curious I love learning so it was just this uh, educational process that I went through and um and then I made the decision I'm trying just to tell the story in a nutshell there's always diff- different elements to it but no I, I love it you're doing drag great. on and on but I made the decision to 
and maybe we'll talk about this regarding human design later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I made the decision. I just had the thought, like I was living in New York. I got a little stagnant there. And then I just had this thought, like, you're going to move to LA. Wow. And it like, it was a fuck. Yes. It was like, mm-hmm. it was like a, uh-huh. Like I'm there. <laughs> I'm totally all about it. And yeah, I moved to LA January, 2013. You know, one of the reasons was I, I wanted to really see if the acting world was for me. I had been going yeah. two simultaneous paths, like personal development, health, wellness, and also, you know, performing and creativity. But I would say maybe a, a year after moving to LA, I just, the, you know, the industry has dark elements to it and mm-hmm. I didn't feel so pulled towards it. And I wanted to keep pushing forward with supporting people and helping people. Um, I think I had this like weird thought that I was like oh I'm gonna go to LA and I'm gonna be famous and mm-hmm. I'm gonna make a lot of money and then I'm gonna have a platform and then I can help people and then one I day see. I kind of woke up and I was like yeah well I could just help people yeah yeah <laughs> it was this weird like realization and I think also personally speaking I think my desire to be an actor was coming also from I mean I love the art form um don't love the industry but was coming from a place of wanting validation too. Yeah. There was an insecurity there. I see. Um, It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's it for some people, not all, Mm -hmm. but for some. Mm -hmm. So then after moving to LA, shortly after I met a mentor of mine, who was a, an ex Navy SEAL. He was trained in traditional Chinese medicine. He was an alternative healing practitioner, body worker. And uh, he took me under his wing and taught me some cool modalities. And that's where I met my wife. My wife studied with him and worked with him as well. So we met, what, several years ago in a, in a small intimate training. And uh, yeah, the, the rest is history, you know. I've just been doing different work, working with clients, continuing my education. I got into human design around seven years ago, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, it's just been this it's been an interesting journey of just kind of like feeling into what feels right. And then when something doesn't feel right, making a change, making a change, making a change. And I'm very grateful with how my life has turned out so far. It it hasn't been without challenges, of course, but that's how you build resilience. That's how you open up your heart. That's how you grow. And that's how it was for me. Absolutely. I want to ask you a bit more about um, what you experienced in your training and what that taught you about health after coming at it from the nutrition perspective, then going based on body work and seeing that heal people in a different way. Um, yeah, I would just love to hear your experience with that. Sure. Um, well, I think the fact that I had that experience around how much food and my life and lifestyle choices impacted me psychologically, my interest in the body became much more, um, it became stronger. Yeah. So when my journey just happened to present this person in front of me and I had just kind of went through my own mini dark night of the soul, it was like mm-hmm. a year and a half into LA. I went through a little breakup. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do with my life. Was I going to act? Was I not going to act? You know, I was dealing with some financial anxiety. All, everything hit me all at once. And yeah. then I kind of came upon this like kind of underground healing community in LA and it just, it felt right. And I actually was hit with a, like a really interesting fork in the road moment. Um, this, this woman who I, I met in an acting workshop in New York City, 
she hit me up to come out to a workshop in LA to work with this teacher that we had worked with. And she's like, I'm coming out to LA to work with you. And I was kind of in a little funk. I was like, all right, cool, let's do it. And at the last minute she bailed. Wow. She, she, she had, she booked like a job in New York city. And I thought to myself, I was like, well, I don't want to put this money towards that. I was kind of ready to work with you. And then the next day, um, Christopher, who was my mentor at the time, he kind of came into this office. I was working in their house. Like his wife did this other like holistic health business. And he goes, Hey, I'm, I'm doing a training. I want you to be in it. I want you to come. Really? And I went, yes. I didn't even know what he did. I just knew that he was like a <laughs> practitioner and he had like, like a revolving door of clients. And anytime I would see him, he would just be able to like kind of tune into my body. And he just kind of like knew what was going on with me. It was really yeah. trippy. And he had this presence about him that I was really drawn to. So I, I just said, yes, I put that money that I had saved for the acting workshop to this. And it was a five day like transformational experience. I mean, it's doing really deep physical work, physical work, body work all day, all night for five days. Wow. A small group of people. And that's also where Sophie was assisting at that. So I met her there. Well, no, I didn't meet her there. I got closer with her there. Wow. And it was, it was game changing because I don't think I realized you know, being someone who's been into health and mm-hmm. taking care of themselves, I didn't realize, I think, the amount of stress and anxiety that was stored in my body, that was stored in my tissues. Yeah. So I remember the, this one moment in the training where I was getting worked on, um, which is uh, one of the main techniques is using your feet with deep rhythmic pressure and walking on different parts of the body that correlate with the Chinese meridians while you're doing deep breath work. And I was getting worked on and I, my pain levels were super high, which to me were, were, were correlating with a high level of tension, stress, toxicity, and trauma that's stored in the body. And I just, something released. And there was just this like weeping, heaving process that happened for like, for 20 minutes. Like, wow. And there was no story attached to it. And I, after I got up from there, it felt like, I don't know, it felt like a rebirth of sorts. So that just was another signal of like, holy shit, like this body that we experience the world through, it stores our history, it stores the wounding, the trauma, the pain, the emotions that we haven't expressed. And I was fascinated. Yeah. So I kept doing more and more of the work, uh, continuing my own process um, of healing and getting more present. And uh yeah, it was, it was just a really powerful experience. And I, I wanted to integrate it into the work that I did and make it a big piece of, of my work with people. Because like you mentioned, somatic work is getting more popular, but it's still not a thing that people turn to outside of like maybe taking yoga class or working out at the gym. Yeah, exactly. You know, or yeah. maybe getting like a more conventional massage. And so I'm curious through your journey with that, did you find that you would have memories come up as well that you would actually remember certain experiences? You know, um, there was, I'll just share the first thing that come to me, that comes to me. Yes. To answer your question. But I remember one time I was, uh, I would work with Sophie cause that's how we, we, um, we started trading the work and yeah. after this, after the, the training and became really close friends for six uh, months and the work can go really, really deep because a lot mm-hmm. of stuff comes up. So she had put me in this one position. So there's obviously there's the work where you're getting walked on, mm-hmm. which we call a soma somp technique. Some people call it moshing. And there's also um, some resistance 
stretching and resistance flexibility work that you do that helps kind of you know break down accumulated dense fascia and scar tissue and get the blood the lymph and the chi flowing through the body so sylvie put me in this one position that worked on the kidney meridian and the kidney meridian you know there's associations with fear there as well mm -hmm. so after i got out of it and there was a lot of pain in there after i got out of it my body just went frigid like super wow. cold like i was freezing i had like four blankets over me and it didn't matter and i felt like i i went back to what it was like being a child when i was scared of the dark really and i remember like even my voice changed i was kind of i was kind of like talking like i was a seven-year-old and i was yeah. like I'm, I'm scared you know like it was it was trippy wow you know and uh you know my wife has had her own experiences with that and i've actually worked with clients who have had memories of sexual abuse come up you know or other things you know maybe an argument or something that happened sure. with someone in their life you know yeah yeah because when i was when you were talking about um, your experience, like uh, being born and that trauma, that's kind of what made me ask you that question, because that's another thing that people don't usually connect to their story of like how important the birthing process is and like how that went, because that's something that we ask a lot about in homeopathy because there's a certain class of remedies called the matridonal remedies, which mm -hmm. um, translates to gifts of the mother. So they're remedies that are made from umbilical cord and you can even make it from, um, you know, folliculinum, like estrogen, like all the things that are involved in the birth process. Wow. And it it's people who will spontaneously in the homeopathy interview that can be up to like two hours the first time, you know, you're just telling your story yeah. and they'll just spontaneously start talking about their birth and like, oh yeah, like I was stuck in my mother's womb or like I had to have a C-section. And, you know, I, I, I've noticed that some of the patients that I've seen, they'll remember their birthing process in something like craniosacral therapy or body work like they'll just spontaneously remember like oh my god like I, I can see myself in the birth canal and I'm scared and I need to get out yeah um I personally haven't experienced that but I know yeah. like you said I know many people who have and yeah it's funny now that you brought that up I didn't even mention it but it's something I I've talked about and I speak out against and I have often is I was also circumcised oh so, yeah you know that is yeah. a is a crazy trauma that we inflict on 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 baby boys in this country and uh, some other countries, but not not most of them, mm -hmm. and has been going on for a really long time. So, you know that's uh, that's something that is registered and recorded in your nervous system. So it's mm -hmm. you know pre-verbal trauma. There are different practitioners. I'm not going to sit here and say my expertise is in pre-verbal trauma. There are mm -hmm. other practitioners that focus more on that. Um, but it's a real thing. And, yeah. you know, this is, this is energy that gets stuck in your nervous system. You know, you're, you're talking about a high sympathetic charge and the crazy thing with, with babies or anyone else who's um, restricted in their movement, because what they do with babies is they, they put them in this kind of like medieval, medieval looking chair where they strap yeah. their arms and they strap their legs. And so, yeah, I mean, it gets me, it gets me pretty angry talking 100%. Well, it just, I mean, it gets me angry. I'm just like, what the fuck are we doing? You know, yeah. there's real, there's what no real that? medical reason for it. And, um, and so when you think about it, if you're, if your arms are, are strapped down, your legs are strapped down, you're not allowed to like move through things. So, um, when they do it and, you know, they, for a long time, they wouldn't even use, um, they wouldn't even use, uh, anesthetic because up until I think the early eighties, the kind of ruling paradigm was that babies didn't feel pain. Ugh you know, 
which is insane to me. And actually some doctors, a, a baby would maybe like make this gesture, but then like go to sleep. But in reality, they were not going to sleep. They're disassociating because oh of the intense God. pain. Yeah. Um, so anyways, that just made me think of that, that that's something that's, that, that, so I, I, who knows, maybe some of the, that anxiety and that pain and that stress that's been stored in my tissues, you know, cause chemicals get released when you're going yeah. through things. And a lot of times they, they they get stuck and I'm, I can't speak on it like super, super scientifically. No, hundred percent. You know and I, mean? I think it's interesting, you know, um, just from my experience observing in homeopathy, it's interesting how those similar experiences, like somebody can have the exact same experience as you did, you know, uh, in birth, and it'll manifest in such a different way. For some people, they're claustrophobic because it reminds yeah. them of being in the womb or in the birth canal, like they can't go into a dark tunnel or for some people, it's just social anxiety and, or, or it's headaches and seemingly so unrelated, mm -hmm. but as they tell their story and you start to connect all the pieces, you're like, wow, like, do you, do you realize the impact that all of that had on you? And then um, moving forward into childhood, it all starts to like manifest in such a hyper-specific way. And so I just, you know, I'm always just speaking out on that about how those core experiences, it doesn't mean that they're going to inhibit you forever, not at all. But as soon as you have awareness around the impact those early experiences can have, the sooner that you can understand yourself better and your own psychology better, and then you can do something about it and you're not acting unconsciously anymore. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head because that's, I think that's been a big thing for me around like wanting to know things and learn things because, you know, I, I've grappled with my own issues, you know, like I've, I've had my own dance with sex addiction when I was mm -hmm. like, when I was younger. And, mm -hmm. you know, like, I always think like, I'm trying to connect the dots, like, oh, I wasn't breastfed, you know, it's like, yeah. there, is, there, is there this, is there this deep hunger, you know, this need to be satiated that I didn't yeah. get as a child. Uh, you know, that being said, I think what helped mitigate maybe me not having more issues is that I had a really loving, nurturing Greek mom. Yeah, so I think like, yes, I went through birth trauma. Yes, there was some vaccine injury there. Yes, I wasn't breastfed. Yes. Um, I was circumcised, which is like fucking a lot. And yet <laughs> there was love, you know, there was mm -hmm. love. And I think there's a, there's a healing capacity to love, you know, and, and connection and contact and touch, which is a whole nother topic. Oh yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, um, that just reminds me because some people, you know, jumping into human design a little bit, um, when you have emotional authority, which basically means you have a defined solar plexus in human design, um, the channel that you can have if you um, have your solar plexus connected to the heart center, it's like that's the only thing that's really going to calm your emotional wave is touch. Mm -hmm. So I found that super interesting how, you know, 51% of people have emotional authority. And so they're not all going to have that channel, but there's something about, you know, either their lack of connection with others will set off an emotional wave or it'll help to, you know, smooth it out sooner. Did you say the solar plexus connected to the sacral? What did you say? To the heart center. So Got it's it. the 3740 channel. Yeah. Sophie has that channel. My yeah. wife has that channel. So I that's so interesting because her whole thesis is on touch. Yeah. She's yeah, all in touch, which I, hopefully you two will get a chance to chat about that. Yeah, I would love to. So um, I just find it fascinating the the different ways that shows up and how, you know, it's like, again, that's why I love human design is like, it's just another way to objectively observe yourself mm -hmm. and to 
look at, you know, what are the parts of my chart that are unconscious? What's in the red color? And then what's in the black color? What's more consciously on the surface that I, you know, automatically know about myself as like what we would call your personality. And how can I like go to a deeper layer again? So I'm acting with conscious, you know, intention and I, I'm the driving force behind my my own behavior. Oh. And so I'm curious then, so you said you learned human design, you know, kind of within that same time, right? As the, the workshop in LA. Yeah, you know what? The first time I heard of it was I had visited LA. I think it was like, I'm wondering if it was when I came back from um, in 2008, I took my savings and I, and I did a year long backpacking trip. I just did that. And I came back and I stopped in LA. This was in 2009. And I had a friend of mine who was working for this like uh, alpha bioticist. It's another, it's not like chiropractics, but it's something different. And she was working at the desk and she's like, have you heard of human design? And she like looked up my chart there and I didn't remember it. I forgot about it, but I knew that was the first point where I'd heard about it. And then yeah, I moved to LA a few years later. And then in this little community where my mentor and his wife were, they were all into human design. So that's where I, that's where I first got into it. And then I started learning more. I'm like, okay, I'm a generator. I'm five, one emotional authority. And then I just kept, yeah, I just kept, you know, you know, self-educating and learning about it. I I pulled up my chart just now, just so I can Oh yeah. Yeah. I know. It's, it's always fun to just be like, okay, what do I have that channel? Do I have this or that? Yeah. I do that all the time. And I'm curious because, you know, a lot of people, um, they're either drawn more to astrology or human design or they integrate both. So is there a reason that you were more drawn to the human design system over astrology or something similar? I, you know, I think like, I've always been interested very surface level on astrology. Like I know my, my main elements, mm-hmm. but I, for some reason I didn't never got deep into it. Yeah. But then I got introduced about eight years ago to another system that's based on playing cards, so known as like medicine, yeah. biology or cardology or source cards, destiny cards. And I had a reading with someone, Alexander, who has a great book on it actually called uh, play your cards, right. And it blew my mind. <laughs> like, so that was like really cool. And then I got to, I got to LA and then I got into human design and I loved human design because there's a very like um, nuts and bolts practicality to it. hundred percent. That I really like. Yeah. Like astrology is dope. It's awesome. But sometimes it feels a little like, 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 uh, I don't know how in to the explain ether, it. Too, in the ether, yeah, there's in the nothing ether. to grab onto when you look. Nothing to grab onto. Exactly. That's, so, what, that's what astrologers say about human design. So that's why I find it hilarious. That's wild. They're like, so I think, oh, this is too much information. Too many, too many things going on. Yeah, I, I liked understanding energy type and then the profile was cool. But for me, obviously, the inner authority was the game changer for me. Yeah. Like, wow, a, a way to really tune in on how to make the right decisions for me. I mean, shit, I'm an emotional authority. There are times where like, I got fucking, hope it's okay I say bad words on your podcast. I got fucking heated and, and I would just like, I would just go off or like someone would send me an email and I'm like, oh, I'm going to tell this person how I feel right now, you know, but like when I, le- when I learned that this was my decision-making process, it gave me the permission to just chill. Yeah. Like, wait. <laughs> take a I, walk. <laughs> yeah, take a walk. Like, 
you know, allow yourself to go through the wave, through the process, 100%. come back to a more grounded center place, which is actually also doing the trauma work and the healing work and nutrition. All this stuff has allowed me to, to hold a greater container for emotions, to be more resilient, to be more present, which has yeah. supported me in my decision-making. That's so key because, you know, I don't think we have to be like at the mercy of our emotional waves. You know what I mean? Like you have to know how to mitigate them and know that they're going to happen. Like, I think I've been thinking about this a lot, how everybody has specific things that are going to trigger their wave. You know, there's certain things like, you know, for me, when I have to make a decision that's going to require a significant financial investment, mm. I am so indecisive and I go through the wave sometimes multiple times before I actually put the money down for it. And a lot of times there's deeper reasons like, oh, I'm afraid of the change it'll involve. You know, there's, it's more than the money, but I feel like um, everybody needs to kind of understand what is going to trigger them more in their emotional wave and to have the understanding so that they can give themselves more time and space to make the decision. Yeah. Like kind of know ahead of time and know like, okay, you know, maybe I should do something like schedule a somatic therapy massage I haven't had one in a while or I've never tried body work maybe I need to work on my emotions outside of my you know decision making process or when shit hits the fan or you know so that again you you kind of develop that your own emotional intelligence yeah. and like how you operate specifically because even if you have um the solar plexus open like even if you don't have it defined which is the center of emotions um you're going to pick up on other people's and with the collective up in arms emotionally every single day, the second you go on Facebook or Instagram, you're going to feel all that regardless of if it's yours or not. So you're going to have to gain some sort of emotional intelligence and healthy sense of detachment regardless. Yeah. You know, that's actually, the, I'm happy you brought that up because it's a question I have um, with human design that someone who's a, a non-emotional is yeah. say they're, they're picking up stuff from other yeah. people. So in essence, they need to kind of get like almost like get clarity too before mm -hmm. making a decision out of like like let's say yeah. an emotion a non-emotional generator yeah. their decision making process is the sacral but yeah. if they're you know amplifying and riding someone else's emotional wave like that may cloud their sacral is that correct exactly and like let's just say hypothetically um let's say they also have an open ego center so it's like, if there's somebody in the room who they want to please there, that's going to cloud them too. And mm. they're not going to be able to make an instant sacral. Yes. Or, or maybe their sacral is responding with a yes, but they can't hear it because all they're thinking about is, well, what does this person want for me? Gotcha. Or, oh, this person's going to be upset because, you know, that because they feel the emotion so strongly through that open center and amplify them, they can have the tendency to like predict people's reactions to them. And so they kind of walk on eggshells sometimes because they don't want to engage in that conflict because it's, it, it feels really, really heavy. Mm. And so absolutely like, you know, most of us don't live alone, you know, and when we're faced to make decisions, usually it's because somebody else is in the room asking us to decide. And so that always has to be considered. And of course, you're not going to know everyone's design, but I think at a certain point you can just feel it like, oh, somebody's triggering my emotions. Like maybe I'm not seeing this clearly. Maybe I also need time. So it's like 
for me with human design, I, you, you really just, as long as you feel into your own body, the rules don't matter. You have to have a foundation of your design, but I, I'm never dogmatic about like, well, this means this. So you don't feel that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean? No, that, that's the thing that always kind of rubbed me the wrong way that like yeah. there's certain basic rules or formulas, but it's way more nuanced, which so is life. Yeah. You know? Like that's exactly. life for and you. I just, I don't like some of the, you know, honestly, sometimes the language or the rhetoric around human design, it's like, you need to act correctly. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. some of that language mm-hmm. where it's like, boxing somebody into something else about like where they they almost like take notes and it's like they have to meet all these bullet points like I'm a generator which means I need to do this 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 and this and so instead of acting authentically which is the purpose of human design they act how they think a generator should yeah or like I'm a projector which means this they get it in their head it's not the system's fault it's just like it's easier to have this like guidebook that you get and then you can at first you can kind of cling to it as like a set of rules you must follow. Mm -hmm. Totally. I I think that's definitely how I think I was in the beginning. Yeah. And I think it's kind of natural in a way to do that when you're getting your bearings around it. But it's just like, honestly, everybody has, there's, again, there's so much nuance and there's so much more to a design than energy type strategy and authority. Mm -hmm. And everybody's going to have like their thing that they're going to struggle with within their chart. And it depends because, you know, different life stages and different circumstances are going to trigger different, what we would call not self themes in your chart. So it's always kind of evolving and changing with you. And I think ultimately the purpose is to kind of transcend the information and just live as yourself and just leave it behind. That's how I see it. Yeah. Same here. And another reason why I think I'm really into somatic work and physical work and health is because, again, like you have this body graph, you have this chart, like how can you hear the wisdom of your design if you're clouded with toxicity, if you're clouded with trauma, and if you're, you know, if you're not connected to your physical body, especially when, when you think about inner authority, um, they're not mental processes, you know, no. it's, it's subconscious, it's, it's of the body in a sense. So, yeah. you know, if you're a splenic type, like, you know, I feel like you need a clear channel. Like you need yeah. to be able to, to, to really tune into that. But if you're like eating shitty food, if you're getting fucked up all the time, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're not getting good sleep. Like you're not, I don't think, I don't want to say you're not, but it's going to be much more difficult for you to really tune in for a person to tune into that deep level of wisdom. Because it is automatically going to be like something it's like you had said so beautifully earlier when you ate that food that you, your body was no longer adapted to it affected your thinking process. So it's like, if you're doing that, you're automatically going to go to the head quicker than you usually would. And you're going to get lost in the mental loop and lose that feeling. Yeah. 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 And like, obviously it triggered a wave in me, but then Mm -hmm. I I didn't know this at that time. Mm -hmm. I wasn't dealing with it. So I went into like, Oh, how do I behave from my not self mind as they they say sometimes. And I was just like, Mm -hmm. what the fuck? Like, Mm -hmm. no, this isn't good. Mm -hmm. Good. So But, you know, learning about emotional authority for me and waves just really supported me. And like when I had my blue moments, like when I was Mm -hmm. feeling blue, that this too shall pass. Absolutely. You know, like it's okay. Like one of my favorite poems is The Guest House by Rumi. I've shared it before. Have you ever, have you ever, um, have you ever read it before? Can I find it real quick and read it? Please. Yeah, please read it for us. That'd be amazing. Uh, I love it. 
in general for all humans, but I also it resonates as an emotional being. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all about like treating all the different emotions and parts of you like a guest in your home instead of pushing down, repressing, etc. And I think allowing yourself to feel their feelings allows you to move through waves in a much more graceful way. 100%. So let me, let me see if I can find it. It's not very long, but I think you and your audience would like it. Oh, 100%. And while you're looking for that, I was thinking, I was looking at your chart too. And I think the wave that you have connected to the sacral is set off by relationships mm. with others. So I find it interesting. Your story was like literally about an ex-girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Well, that makes sense because most of my waves, mm-hmm. most of my emotional triggers are around definitely around the relationship it's not usually around like other just things going on in life that much it's usually someone either like I don't know just someone triggers me or says Mm -hmm. something or blames me Mm -hmm. for something I didn't do or like you know my wife I mean we're married you know like we have our little we trigger each other's waves of course that's definitely probably my main thing is relationship so that's cool that's really cool so this is the poem it's called a guest house this being human is a guest house every morning a new arrival A joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. How beautiful is that? Yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's so, so pertinent because, you know, the knee-jerk reaction with some of the trickier emotions is just to be like, I need to get rid of this immediately. How do I do that? Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I think as humans, we're kind of hardwired to go after pleasure and, and, and run away from pain. Mm-hmm. But a, I think a more accurate question should be like, well, what pain should I allow myself to sit with and work through and feel? And what pleasure should I not be going after? Because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times we're, you know, we're looking for the thing, our self-soothing mechanisms, our addictions or whatever it is to not feel the feelings. And it's like, if we just allowed ourselves to feel certain things, what would that do, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And what I've just noticed, um, you know, for those who know astrology, we're in the season of Aries, which is very fire oriented. And so the emotion that I'm seeing come up in the collective a lot is irritation and anger, Mm -hmm. especially as, you know, more and more people are out and about. Um, They're starting to kind of come out of their homes and there's road rage, there's um, people being triggered. There's, um, there's there's mask Nazis and Karens everywhere. Yeah. There's a lot of people who have a lot of pent up frustration and it's all coming out. And it's like, I just find that interesting because that's one of the big emotions that is so taboo in our culture is like anger. Mm-hmm. Like, nope, only crazy people are angry. Like, I'm not going to punch a wall. You know what I mean? It's like, we have this archetype of like an angry person that must, you know, that's scary. And I can't feel that way. Especially with women, you know, I think women, you know, are raised like, okay, be a good little girl, whatever, you know, and for boys, and these are, these are general stereotypical, but for boys, it's like, well, you know, don't cry, don't be weak, don't be vulnerable, Mm -hmm. you know, at least maybe in the old days. 
but um but you know anger is such a powerful life force mm-hmm. you know yeah. it's such powerful energy and uh it just made me think of this this workshop i did um my acting teacher was really heavily influenced by these two psychologists doctors hal and sidra stone they developed something called um voice dialogue the psychology of the selves and of the aware ego process so it's a way of like kind of dialoguing with different parts of yourself and that we have these primary ways of being and then we repress opposite energies within ourselves they did a lot of work with dreams so i had done about 11 years ago and you know how unfortunately he passed away at 93 this past year but he lived a pretty great life but i had done a training with them in norcal and we did some dream work and there's a reason i'm bringing this up because very often our dreams if we remember them they they can share aspects of ourselves that maybe we've repressed or we've we've ignored and so this one practitioner the psychologist that was there she was uh she was she had a dream about hitler wow. hitler 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 came to her in in her dream that archetype you know mm-hmm. and so i remember hal going to her like okay well what if we took that hitler energy you know chopped it up into a bunch of little pieces threw it in a big pot boiled it down and took a little homeopathic dose of it and put it under your tongue how would it help your life and she oh said she said you know i'd actually be able to set more boundaries i'd be able to stand up for myself i'd be able to handle confrontation you know what i mean so it's a lot of these things that we're afraid of from these primary conditioned selves we judge that opposite but if yeah. we're able to integrate the gift of the opposite it's yeah. not about becoming hitler becoming no, ruthless becoming but it's like where is that how can that life force support you yeah you know and there's something about being able to just even say no no you will not treat me this way mm-hmm. as opposed to like getting to a sh- a shouting match or completely like falling back into like you know like a weak cowering mode you know what i mean yeah. like where is that middle way there was way? a build up that? that happened prior to that mm-hmm. Yeah. That was ignored. For sure. And you know, it's like I remember as a kid like I had I had um dreams of like scary animals coming after me and so it's like you know there's this process of your personality developing you you push some things to the unconscious, you know, some instinctual energies get pushed down, you know, because as kids it's like oh, you know, kids like experience the whole rainbow of emotions. They can go from yeah. freaking like almost like demonic anger to laughing <laughs> to crying to all this stuff. They just pull out let it out but of course you know depending on the family the culture the the school you're brought up in you know certain mm-hmm. behaviors are approved of and mm-hmm. others are not approved of and so that's along with whatever your human design is your astrology yeah. numerology all that whole process like determines your personality in essence yeah. you know yeah. and so how can we reclaim these lost aspects of ourselves because of we've been conditioned to be a certain way and i think human design i think body work i think eating yeah. well and healthy supports this process 100% and you know i love dreams um you know as a studying homeopath every single session will ask people what have you been dreaming about because the whole thing with homeopathy is we're trying to get to your uncompensated state who are you at your core behind all the layers of conditioning and so you know dreams have no filter you know, they're not, you can't control dreams, which Mm -hmm. is why, you know, they can be quite terrifying. And then I find that people just stop remembering them completely. 
But once they connect back to that world and they start keeping a dream journal and they will see, wow, I keep having these recurring themes come up over and over and over again, or that ex that I thought was over, that I was over, they're coming back to me in my dream again, like why, you know? And so it's so interesting because it's like, I think automatically as a client, whether, you know, you're coming for a reading or you're coming for body work, a homeopathy, you're unconsciously wanting to present yourself in a certain way. And it's scary to do any modality that's going to kind of strip away the mask from you Mm -hmm. and reveal what's actually going on underneath the surface, because that's the only way that you heal is through awareness. And so we say in homeopathy, like half the healing comes from the session and the other half from the actual remedy, because people start to see themselves and their patterns in a new way. And they're like, wow, I never realized that about myself. I never realized that there was all these connections and like, yeah, I do notice when I don't speak up for myself that I have dreams about Hitler. You know what I mean? Like it's that archetypal energy, like tapping you on the shoulder and saying, hey, there's something we need to look at that you're not willing to look at in your conscious waking life. Yeah. And you know, a lot of these, these darker characters that coach open our dreams are, again, they're showing us that we haven't integrated these more instinctual energies. Mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. um it made me think of a really great quote one of my favorite quotes from young and young used to call dreams messages from god yeah you know so i, I just think that. that's a that's a beautiful thing and um his very well-known quote is until you make the unconscious conscious it will direct your life and you will call it fate i love that quote that is 100 percent true and it's like you know the work is the work it's the inner work yeah. it's 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 getting to know yourself human design astrology mm-hmm. supports that process it's working through your traumas. It's, it's doing body work. It's working with the tissues, you know, it's eating healthy. I mean, it's this whole process yeah. of shedding away stuff that doesn't belong to you or separating from what doesn't belong to you and integrating elements that maybe you've left behind along the way. And, you know, I think one of the big reasons why people forget their dreams and, you know, I've had an interesting relationship. I forget them. I don't, um, is what you said, it's important to give intention to it. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm going to have a dream journal. The other thing is too, like, you know, people are getting jacked up on, on different chemicals. They're not getting proper yeah. sleep. They're living in these, um, these cities, you know, they're, they're, yeah. they're, bring, they're being brought further and further away from nature. Yeah. You know, so how can you communicate with this, these highest aspects of your nature if you've completely said no and turned off and turned away from nature you know I feel yeah. like there's a dance there I mean when I've gone camping oh my god the dreams my, my, my dreams are just like <laughs> they're insane. off the walls yeah so mm-hmm. yeah you know I know it's, it's fascinating and that's why like you know that's one of the big reasons I wanted you on the show is I am so passionate about incorporating some sort of you know body work or something that works on the physical body in addition to things like human design and astrology because it's so easy for it to be mind candy yeah and for you to just get more into your head like I was kind of alluding to earlier but if you incorporate the body in some way and you really really work on it outside of these modalities then they they tend to pair together beautifully and each feeds into the other Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I just think they're the best pairing. And I think you kind of need both. Yeah, I, I agree hundred percent. And, and in essence, you know, again, there's another great quote that Young talks about where it's just like, we, we, we separate the two, 
mm-hmm. just so we can talk about them and understand them. But in, in essence, we're really like this lived body. We're like a mind body, yeah. you know, and obviously doing some mental work supports the evolution and growth of, of the body and vice versa. And it's just important to tackle it from different access points. There's just exactly. something to say about like getting your calves and your hamstrings and other parts of your body walked on with deep breathing work and working with the vis- working with the tissues in a way like you're you're bypassing the 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 mind you know mm-hmm. I, I do that the conscious mind and you're kind of diving directly into the subconscious you're looking at the body as a shadow so when you mm-hmm. work um, when you manipulate the body you're going directly into the unconscious mm-hmm. and you know I would say like a, a big piece of the work that I do from a somatic standpoint is probably related and based on some of the original work and understandings from Wilhelm Reich. You know, I, oh, I consider, yeah. I consider the work I do really right Yeah. You know, he took, he took the, the psychological architecture that Freud and Jung talked about, like the ego, the superego, the id, et cetera, and applied it and kind of transposed it on the physical body with the skin being the ego, the musculature being the super ego, the deeper core energetics being the id, you know? And so yeah. I think the more we work with the bioenergy and alter it with different practices, whether it's really deep body work, whether it's, you know, really altering your posture through other, other modalities out there, that can have a really big impact on you, on your sense of self and what comes up to the surface to be experienced and processed. So it's been, a, it's been a never ending humbling experience. 100%. And I think it's, you know, I always connect it back to <laughs> homeopathy just because that's a lot of my clinical experience. It's, it's, and it's amazing. Like, you always have to find the opening for each person, you know, where, where can you, you get in there? And for some people, you know, they're going to automatically be drawn to one or over the other. And I find that a lot of people, you know, What's so interesting about hearing people's stories in this setting is you can tell that they've never spoken about these things with another human. Mm-hmm. And they're not used to even being introspective. And this is just overall in general, not everybody at all. Um, but that's why I think it's great to have, okay, so if you're not, not used to being introspective, something like digging into your design you know, digging into yourself, maybe that's something that would be really helpful. So you can start that process of like, yeah, where was I conditioned? You know, what was my upbringing? Like, you know, how do I respond to my emotions? Do I have trouble making decisions? Like anything that kind of starts that internal process for somebody and that access point where they need to start is going to be so different based on, you know, their personality and what they're open to and their experiences. Well said. Well said. Yeah. Again, the, the quote that I love little quotes, they come to me, um, yeah. is know thyself, you know, one of the yeah. simplest, simplest quotes out there. And then how do you choose to know yourself? And there's different modalities to support mm-hmm. that process. But you, there needs to be if you want to not allow the things that don't get integrated to become fate in your life, you know, yeah. referencing the, the previous young statement, you have to do that inner work, you know, yeah. you, you have to go in and ask those questions and dig deep, you know, like, oh man, like what, like, you know, like in my twenties, you know, I grew up in a pretty, a pretty, um, old school Greek family. Like my dad Mm -hmm. is like the stoic Greek man, Mm -hmm. patriarchal in that sense. My mom is, you know, like the Greek homemaker and, you know, my, my dad is an amazing person. My mom is awesome, but you know, he definitely, there were some things that he did that 
I, I wasn't the most pr proud of it that mm -hmm. I took on, you know, like mm -hmm. I kind of, when I was really young in my early twenties, like I was just like dismissive, you know, mm -hmm. dismissive sometimes to like some of the women in my life, mm -hmm. you know, which is like, an, and I, I had to like experience that in the context of a relationship and then go wait. And then I would go home and then I would witness it when yeah. I was home and be like, Oh fuck. Like yeah. I do that sometimes. Like, I totally, I'm like, yo, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, like I did that shit when I was much younger. Mm -hmm. and so it's just this process of like experiencing in the world, coming back inwards and asking the questions and searching mm -hmm. for the answers within yourself, like going out to the world, experiencing. It's like this dance between inner and outer world that's moves you along and supports you in your maturation process. Absolutely. And, you know, um, that reminds me, I wanted to dive into a little bit about your experience as a 5-1 profile, because I think you kind of articulated it right there where the 5-1, you know, for those who are unfamiliar with human design, first of all, you can look up your design online and see all about it. You just enter your birth information like astrology. And they say that the profile in human design is kind of like the archetype you embody, the, the costume that your soul wears to carry out your mission. It has a lot to do with, you know, how you relate to the other and some profiles, they have a much more inward journey that impacts and transforms them. And then there's other profiles like, like the five one that kind of need the other to, to, um, you know, really get to where they can have their soul evolution that they came to have and to have the greatest impact. So it's, it's always interesting because I'm a two, four. So I am the more like, you know, my personal experience, let's say being a patient of homeopathy has allowed me to be a better practitioner and show up in the world. So that's my, always my starting is I'm going to be alone working on myself. And I don't think that's the experience of a five one mm -mm. so much, you know, no. they, that's the transformation. Yeah. And I think so much of my growth and like exponential growth has happened in relationship. Yeah. You know, in relationship through, let's say my, my partners in the past, even, you know, I've been with my wife for six years. We've married two years. There's been so much growth because there's just like, it's almost like this bouncing off. Like I'm experiencing myself in relationship with the other person. And then that supports the introspective process. And uh, yeah, it's really cool. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I listen, I like my design. I like my life. I like who I am. So I'm happy with being a five one. If I wasn't, then that'd probably be a problem. Right. I think on yeah. some level, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's just cool because, um, you know, the five one, they call it like, there's this projection field that happens where it's like, first of all, it's a great profile to have as an actor mm. because like it has a big impact on strangers where me, it's like the two, four, the, it, I connect more to like a, a smaller niche community. Mm -hmm. And so it's just so interesting, like how impactful the five one can be as an educator, especially with your incarnation cross. And so I just love kind of like the dance of, of that, where it's like, there is that introspective process that you had and you had to go through your internal journey, but then the relationship with others comes in and then it plays off that dynamic um, because everybody has like parts of their chart that are going to be more introverted or extroverted, you know? Um, but I just, I always find five ones so interesting because it's, it, it reminds me a bit of like a manifestor energy. It's very impactful. Like how, how they educate leaves a mark on you. You remember it. And so I just, I find them fascinating. My, my one of my first mentors was a five, one manifestor. 
Oh, wow. So she, like, like, like she's somebody I will never forget. Like, you know, she walks into a room and like everybody looks at her because they can just feel her aura. It's just so impactful. And so it's just like, I see that like as a manifestor times two is how I experienced her. Wow. And it's like the things that she would teach people would reveal something to themselves that they, that would just completely transform their life. Yeah. It's the first time that they met her, you know, and I, I just, I find that energy so fascinating. Yeah. I am one of my teachers, my bodywork teacher, he was a five, one MG. Um, my brother's a five, one, you oh, know, really? and yeah, he's a five, he's a five, one generator. He's way more defined than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really cool because we get along like super well. Mm-hmm. So I'm fortunate for that. But uh, yeah, you know, I, the projection, projection field, something that really learning about that helped me for sure. Yeah. But I, I think since I was born, I was projected on like my family, like in school and sports, like um, some of it good, some of it maybe not as good, you know, having that like pressure put on me. But uh, I definitely through human design have learned to really utilize my one line to, to build a stable foundation yeah and and be able to provide things that are practical to people like that's Mm -hmm. another element for me that it's like i want to be able to provide something because i know i'm i will be projected upon like Mm -hmm. i've gotten really clear on what i say yes to because Mm -hmm. i don't want like it's funny when i learned about five ones and reputation being a big thing yeah like that's something that's always been with me my whole life like i've Mm -hmm. always there's been a fear of like saying something or doing something that's going to ruin my reputation yeah which is why it's taken me a while to to i mean part of it is building building that security of knowledge of understanding to then go out and universalize some of the stuff i share you know i share a lot of stuff on my instagram stories i Mm -hmm. talk about controversial stuff Mm -hmm. you know seven eight years ago i i was more just in the process of like learning and hoarding knowledge and i was like what will people think i care less about what will people think now Mm -hmm. um to some degree, obviously I do, but uh, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting that I, I'd be really mindful of, I'm mindful of what I say yes to when I'm being projected upon. And I've learned to kind of cut the projection field sometimes mm-hmm. because I've had clients and people come up to me like after a session or after working with me for a while, they're like, oh my God, like, like, thank you so much. You've, you've changed my life. And, and like, you're ama- amazing. And I'm just like, I received that thank you and you know I'm human and I fuck up and I, and I have my yeah. own issues because I don't want that's the key you know and I had a teacher who totally bought into the positive projection field as a 5-1 and let's just say it didn't turn out well and yeah. we're no longer in contact for multiple yeah. reasons yeah I think and that's such a good point and I just think that during this polarizing time I think that the 5-1 has such a key role to play that's what I've seen because they are the heretic who's like, mm-hmm. you know, not afraid to search in the corners of the internet and like get that foundation, like you're saying, and like explore those depths and then try to bring it to people in a way that is going to be understood. And, you know, in a way that is going to be able to be applied into their life and realizing, yeah, like sometimes people aren't going to like it, but Hey, that's the nature of polarity. And there's going to be somebody who that impacts them in such a a huge way that it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it for the people who aren't on board. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I think that they're playing a more prominent role now where it's like what your sacral is saying, yes, I need to learn about that and tell people about that because it could change their life. You know, some people will get angry and some people will be like, wow, 
thank you so much for saying that. Yeah, and I think when I learned my left angle cost of education, it really gave me more permission to, to share information because it kind of was like, you're, you're not meant to just share, you're also meant to kind of lecture, like my left mm-hmm. angle cross. So it's like, which resonated with me because sometimes when I'm passionate about something, I just, I just talk about it and people that are drawn in, they're interested or they're not. Mm-hmm. And it gave me the freedom to be like, listen, whoever's into what I have to say, cool, they'll be into it. And if they're mm-hmm. not, carry on, go on, live your life, you know? Yeah. No worries. Yeah. Um, so that definitely supported me in my process, especially as I've been speaking out on certain subjects and educating about health and, you know. That and I think thing. that a certain intuition develops, um, you know, inherent in that cross is sort of like a psychic ability to be like, is this person going to be on board or not? Is this person worth my time? You know, is yeah. it worth trying to educate them on this or is it better to just let it pass and let go of it? Let them come to me, maybe that that's it right there because I'm not always the same all the time. There are times where I'll be the quiet person in the room, you know, like mm-hmm. observing, taking things in. I'm not mm-hmm. really like, this isn't the right time or, or I feel into someone in a conversation and I go, I might not start talking about vaccines mm-hmm. or start talking about, mm-hmm. you know, COVID and this mm-hmm. whole situation, you know, like I, there's a time and a place. And it's also a reason why I, I post primarily my stories right now and not, yeah not on my, on my feed because I just like, I don't want to bother with back and forth sometimes with people who are committed to like judging and misunderstanding, like yeah. people who consciously choose to look at my stuff. Cool. You know, now maybe it'll change in the future, you know, perhaps yeah. there's like a fear of what will people think there. I don't know, maybe a touch, but most of it's just like, I got other things I need to do with my time. I'm not trying to have like someone regurgitate propaganda back to me, you know, and like, yeah. what am I ignore it? Yeah, I guess I could ignore it, but the feisty yeah. Greek in me is like, I will not. Must. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, everybody has a specific role that they're willing to do. Like some people love being that person, that first point of contact of like the total newbie of something where they love to like debate and they love to um, be like, no, there's this counter study that I need to show you. And, and then some people are like, you know what, I'm here for the people who already kind of get it. Yeah. And I, I got to that point when I was younger, you know, on Facebook, I used to get into these back and forth exchanges. Like before I knew I'd spent like five hours, like on Facebook, like arguing with someone like mm-hmm. what, <laughs> what, what, what is that even like? No, like, you know, that was coming from insecurity. That was coming from a whole host of places. And, you know, it's just, it's part again of this process of mm-hmm. stepping more into your design, stepping more yeah. into who you are, yeah. um, being confident in who you are and grounded. Yeah. And that comes with time self-work, education, mm-hmm. etc. 100%. Well, gosh, thank you so much for being here today. I, I want to be mindful of your time. And yeah. as we're wrapping up here, I would just love for you to share a few practices that you really integrated in the past year that have really helped you in, you know, these kind of weird times that are just kind of throwing everybody for a loop. So what have you found to be the most helpful? You know, I like to keep it simple. There's, I mean, we, we're surrounded by nature here. So leaving my devices, leaving mm-hmm. my phone, leaving my computer and going for a walk. And as I walk, be mindful of what's happening in my body, you know, being paying attention to my breath, tapping into my senses, being aware of my environment, looking at the trees, you know, that kind of thing. Just a simple, mm-hmm. it's like my own form of what is it like nature, nature bathing or forest yeah. bathing? Is that the saying? 
Um, there's just something to say uh, around that. Um, cooking a nice nourishing meal for myself Definitely. really, su really supports me. Um, one, I'm also, uh, I'm touch cognition in human design oh, too. Cool. And so I, I love using my hands to do things as well. And I, I love to cook. So cooking a nice meal has really supported me. Um, I mean, there are different breathing practices you can do. Sure. You know, like as well. Um, Self-massage work too is mm -hmm. really beneficial. Uh, even so something as subtle as just like, just kind of like rubbing your own, like just touching yourself. You know, mm -hmm. we, we're in this whole year where we've been, I'm going to say it brainwashed to be afraid of touch. Mm -hmm. And yet touch has such an impact on your nervous system, which has such mm -hmm. an impact on your immune system and your, your mental and emotional life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you have a, a pet, touch your pet. Mm -hmm. If you, if you have a partner, touch your partner, mm -hmm. you know, but like self-massage, mm -hmm. intentional self-massage. And as you do it, noticing what comes up in your body, you know, yeah, it's like one of such a great tool to have is because we can get so lost in our minds and the chatter is like, how can we bring it back to the body? Yeah. You know, and, and that's a big piece with somatic experiencing, which is another modality is like, how do we bring it back to the body? in a lot of ways and really notice the subtleties of sensations that are happening because let's be real sensation is our first language you know that's how we communicate in the womb mm -hmm. you know we're not having like we're not like in the womb like talking english or whatever language we are to our mom it's all it's this symbiotic relationship through sensation our nervous systems kind of connecting so i think touch can in essence the skin is kind of the external rep representation of the ner internal nervous system yeah so by by able by touching yourself I think it could be good or using other tools like a lacrosse ball or a hard medicine ball or whatever to just kind of do myofascial release work and self-massage work and, and, and kind of going into those tender areas and breathing through it, engaging with maybe some of the sensation or pain that you have, you know, I didn't say it earlier, but in Chinese medicine, they have a great saying where there's pain, there's no flow. Yeah. So where we hold pain in our bodies, it's showcasing that there's this lack of flow. And so in the simplest way with all the different things we do, how can we move from a place of stagnation to a place of flow? Eating more nutritious foods is going to bring us to a place from, from stagnation to flow. Doing body work is going to help support flow. You know, understanding yourself on a deeper level through how your energy works with human design is going to support flow. You know, stagnation brings disease and death. Disease and death movement brings forth life. So yeah. how can we support that movement? Um, did I answer your question at all? Oh yeah. Beautifully said, beautifully said, because, you know, I think, you know, for, for those of us who are, who are, you know, big proponents of medical freedom and just see the state of the world, it can be, you know, speaking of emotional wave, sometimes it's hard because you're like in the park and, you know, you see people distancing and it's just a whole thing and the energy of it. And it's just like, I think those simple practices that are often overlooked that just ground yourself back in and get you out of that and out of, worrying so much about what's happening out there and connecting you back to yourself. Like, you know, actually I'm fine. Everything's okay where I am right now. And that's what I need to remind myself and worry about. And sometimes just, you know, you, not to not be aware of what's going on, but just to not always be setting yourself off <laughs> with that, you know? Well, yeah. And like controlling what you can control, you know, like yeah. you can control your reactions to the degree that you can. Obviously there's certain brain traumas that that 
exhibit these patterns in you. And then that's a whole nother story and a whole nother yeah. conversation. How do you go about like working through that and healing your nervous system, which is, I think where it all begins. Um, but yeah, I mean, one of the reasons my wife and I moved to Topanga is we were in Santa Monica and it was just this whole last year. It was just, mm-hmm. it was kind of insane. And I obviously have different views about everything that's happening. And we just wanted to be in nature. We wanted to be away from it all. And sure, you know, LA has a different vibe and uh, people follow different rules here than maybe some other places. And it was, it was pretty, um, it was pretty heavy. So yeah. um, I, I didn't, I didn't want to um, be in that environment anymore where I had to like have people looking at me or saying things because I wasn't wearing a mask, you know? And that just goes to show that, you know, the more in alignment with yourself that you are, especially as a generator, things will come across your path that help you to get to that next level of like, okay, now it's time that initiated, you know, moved to Topanga that brought so many other riches, I'm sure. And so many, you know, things that opened you up in different ways. And that's what I love about, you know, just being able to trust your path as generators specifically is like, there's going to just be things that come across your path that you respond to. And it's, you know, things just kind of flow from there. You don't need to control every moment or every, you know, think about the future and zoom out too far and freak yourself out. It just kind of all comes together. Yeah. And I think intuitively, like, this is something I did before I even knew human design, it supported me is that like, if something like was like a should, like, oh, Mm -hmm. I should do that. Or I, I never really felt drawn to it. I was kind of like, well, what really lights me up? Like, what am I excited Mm by? I want that. You know, I want that. I want that. And that's what's led me on the path that I've been on. It's been a weird, wacky path. But like one thing, one, yeah, has led to the next, (laughs) fuck yeah, has led to the next, fuck yeah, or the next, no, 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 that's not for me. And then, so it's kind of cool under realizing that. And it's actually one yeah. thing I share with a lot of generators, like clients or friends. It's just like, like, yo, like what, what, what fires you up? What, what yeah. excites you, you know? Cause when you're lit up, that's how the things that are meant for you are going to come to you, you know, for sure. in, 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 in a, in a sense, that's, that's what I think. So I think you're more magnetic in that way. It's like the more that you're in that, like, I guess like the, the higher expression of being a generator people feel that and they, they want to give you opportunities versus if you're kind of in like the moping around generator. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's like a heaviness. It's a stagnation. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Like when I think about my past, when I've had those moments, like, like when I'm, when I'm not honoring my design or I'm like, no, nothing's coming to me. No one, no one wants to be around me. Exactly. But when I'm lit up and fired up and passionate and living my design and sharing information and learning and growing and, you know, like, it all opens up. It's it, it opens up. It opens up. So anyways, listen, I could always talk about a million things. I know. I'm just grateful. I'm grateful to, to be on here. I'm so happy about this show that you're doing. And Thank I love the work you. that you do. You know, I don't really know much about homeopathy, homeopathy, yeah. except I've taken some products and I just think it's really cool. And Thank your knowledge you. of human design is awesome. And you're just a lovely person. And I, what I want to say too on that is that I love that you reached out, <laughs> you know, like, I've met, I've met some really solid people that have connected with me because they saw uh, our interview on the Unslave podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah. I know. I'm excited because I'm potentially interviewing somebody else who's been on that podcast and just the community around there is just amazing. Yeah. I just love I it met, so much. Yeah. I met this, uh, this great guy, Joel, I think he's in Australia who's in Michael's mystery school mm-hmm. and has started his own little company around that. And I'm like tarot, astrology cool. and this and that. We had a long conversation on Instagram last night 
and we might wow. be doing some like IG lives conversations on different things. So it's oh, just, I'm like, excited for that. It's just cool. You know, yeah. I love it. Well, where can the people find you? Well, I'm on Instagram, you know, I'm not the most tech savvy person, but I'm on Instagram at healing with Eurosimos. Um, my, my website is healing with, with Eurosimos.com. It's a very basic one page intro, pretty much talking about body work. Um, my email address is healing with Eurosimos at gmail.com. Um, I have a telegram channel. I don't really use too often, which is healing with Eurosimos, but you never know if I get end mm-hmm. up getting censored on Instagram, I'll be moving towards that um other than that um if you go to instagram you can see on my link tree um i've been doing an online event for for men for the last uh, 10 months with my friend gavin who's a mindset coach and he really is into uh authentically expressing yourself through your voice and we actually did our first one for women last month because we had women we had women who turned into our uh, gavin and i do a a Wednesday and Friday Instagram live show called keeping it real where we start mm-hmm. with one question as a point of introspection and reflection so we found out most of our audience are, were women and they were like you got to do one for the ladies yeah and so we did one it was really cool so we're going to be altering that every month uh it's a three and a half hour experience on usually the third third or fourth Saturday of every Amazing. month yeah so that's it and if you're in LA I do a monthly event for men it's a it's a retreat which is uh doing really deep somatic work um and I do it up here in Topanga so hit me up. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. And yeah, I'm sure I'd love to have you back on the future. So thank you so much. Definitely. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk again soon. All right. Take care. Okay.